Hi, I'm Susan. And this is Diane. And this is When Autumn Comes. Look, life sometimes just looks different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and for people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into our eyes and explained our child's prognosis. Or for the mamas who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as colder temperatures and darker days begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it feels like four seasons in one day. We are here to let you share your story, let you laugh and let you cry, let you learn and let you grow, together with other mothers, when autumn comes. Y'all want to hear some dirt on me? Yeah, I mean, if anybody knew stuff about me, it would be Amanda. Amanda is my college roommate. She is also a licensed clinical therapist. And she has kind of stepped up and said that she would be our little stand-in therapist for When Autumn Comes. Today, Diane and I talked to her about several things related to fatigue. Because we are the 4AM Mom Club. We are tired. And apparently there's clinical reasons for us to be tired. I don't know. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you for being here. And thank you for, you know, not saying anything crazy about me. Okay, welcome to the When Autumn Comes podcast. I am really excited and kind of giddy because today we are talking to a woman who knows a lot of dirt on me, and but she's never been my therapist because that would cross way too many lines. Um, we meet Amanda. Um, we have lived together for enough years to have a common law marriage. So we, we go way back. (laughs) Um, Amanda, introduce yourself. Who are you and why are you here? Hi, well, I'm Amanda Rogers. I'm first and foremost, of course, Susan's friend for half my life. That's scary to think. Yeah, (laughs) we're we're old. We, we met in college and we lived together a few years after college and yeah. Freshman year college. Yeah, go way back. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor in Virginia, which means I'm a therapist and um, have been a therapist for over a decade. So I have experience in a lot of different things in residential and outpatient kids and adults that are very seriously mentally ill in the community. And yeah, that's basically my clinical background. I have two kids and a husband and dogs and all that good stuff. So I can, I can start um, packing my baggage to hand it off to you. Is that what this means? Diane keeps saying that she wants a counselor. So my goodness. This is is an intervention, Diane. I was going to say that was going to be my lecture as I came on. Oh man. Yesterday. Yesterday, the the silver lining of COVID is that you can do telehealth, and there's so many people available for you to see. You don't have to go to I someone's know. office anymore. So find yourself. Is that what self care means? It's yes. definitely a component of self care. <laughs> yeah, I should get on it. Side note, and we can come back to this, but we are going to actually have Amanda in the 4 a.m. Mom Club to do a kind of talk slash ask a pro forum to tell our moms what they need to do to find a counselor, find a therapist that, you know, Mm -hmm. things that, like you said, right now, because telehealth is, I mean, Diane, if we can do a podcast and never have met each other, you can find a counselor. (laughs) I need to find an hour. I will. I will. Okay. After my physical therapy (laughs) for breaking my foot. Well, that's a priority as well. (laughs) Both priorities. (laughs) So anyway, that's not what this really isn't an intervention. We today wanted to bring Amanda on and she's going to be our show counselor. We decided we'll have her a couple times a year. Today we're going to talk about fatigue 
we call ourselves the 4am mom club. We're exhausted. And like when people ask me, how are you doing? I always just answer, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Like I'm okay. And I'm tired. And we joke a lot about it. And so I think it got us thinking, what does that mean? It's not just tired. Like I am not just, if I sleep nine hours a night, every few nights, I'm still tired. So there's got to be more to it. So we really wanted to dive in and talk about and what like, does like, tired mean? Mike, my husband, he he says to me, well, you got eight hours last night. And I'm like, I don't think I can ever catch up. Is this a level of depression? Is this a level of I'm just completely drained because I have given everything I have to give to keeping my two children alive? But he's very black and white. So he he literally says to me, well, you got eight and a half hours last night of sleep. I mean, I woke up 14 times, but I got eight and a half hours of sleep last night. So why are, why are you tired? So let's let's talk about tired, Amanda. Let's talk that's, about fatigue. I was going to say, that's pretty layered. So um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you waking up 14 times, there is a lot of science behind. It's not the amount of sleep that you're getting, but if you're getting broken sleep, then your body cannot recover either. Also, you're completely... I'm sure mentally exhausted. It's not just physical uh, Mm -hmm. with all the decisions that you have to make every day and all of the emotions that you go through every day. There's a ton of components to being completely exhausted. I'm a, I'm a mom of two typical kids and I'm exhausted. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure the level is not even the same. Forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) So when moms in general or moms in our positions, I feel like a lot of times I say I'm tired because it's just an easy, it's the easiest way to tell someone how I'm feeling, but I don't feel like it describes it at all. Well, don't you think too, it is the easiest way without unloading Unloading. all of your bags. Do you really Mm want to know how I feel? Or should I just say that I'm tired because it gives a semi-description of how I feel Mm -hmm. without talking about my fear, my worry, my frustration, my anxiety, my depression, my, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a level from you guys just assuming that there's probably an assumption and a feeling that people can't truly understand what you're going through because they're not going through that. Another reason for the podcast, you know, people that really understand what you're dealing with from the day to day, which is there's a huge power in that just to feel that somebody understands you. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want to burden people with my problems. Mm-hmm. Like you and I have a very strong relationship and mm-hmm. you do ask how things are going. And I do tell you for the most part, but I don't always like unload everything. You know, I went for a walk yesterday with a friend who isn't best friend level, but is a friend. She asked like, so how are things going? And I was like, okay, things are going okay today. And then I stopped and I was like, look, we're walking three and a half miles together. So I may as well tell you like things aren't okay. We are highly sedating my daughter so that we can get through every day. But why do we do this? Am I protecting myself or am I protecting her? Both, I would think. I mean, you know, just from, you know, our relationship, I know if you're silent for a couple of days that something is happening, right? That you're going through a lot usually. So when I do hear from you, if I reach out, I know that it's a lot going on and kind of wait to hear what it is. And honestly, I knew we were probably talk about this. For me, when I hear what's going on, then I have to prepare myself for how to respond, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not, (laughs) always like to say people say dumb things. They're well-intentioned usually, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but people don't know how to respond, I think, to things that are so loaded, so serious. And so they just say what comes to mind or say what they feel. And often that's probably not the best response. So I really have to think about how to protect you and how could I best support you in the way that I respond, mm-hmm. which I'm sure not everybody does because I mean, why because we have it? a podcast where we talk about people. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all human, right? Like, yeah, we're all human. And again, when we, 
we have like this visceral response of, oh my gosh, that's horrible. You'd say, oh, I'm so sorry. Or that sounds terrible. Or how do you deal with that? Or, you know, not, um, what can I do to help you? Or I love you. I'm here for you. Yeah. You know, those. I feel like too, sometimes I get tired of talking about it. Of course. Uh, And not, and not necessarily like, of course, I always want to talk about my child. Sometimes it's therapeutic to talk about, but I try and put myself in my friend's shoes. I'm like, yeah, I have nothing more to tell you because right now my sole focus is whatever situation has brought me to this like anxiety or whatever, you know, mine is, I don't think I have the constant day to day like Susan does, but a lot of us just have the hiccups every couple weeks or every couple months where we're like, oh my gosh, we have this appointment and we don't know how it's going to turn out. And I get sick of it being, I'm, I'm always tired. Like I get sick of saying that. And so I try and not always say it and unload on my friends like that, you know, to, for them to have to always take that on too. It's like, I want to be somebody other than my situation. That's a really good point because, and you are, you are many things. You're not just a mom. You know, Susan always talks about like who she was before she had children, right? Like it seems probably light years from who she is now, but she's still that person, you know, and she's still more than a mom. And those, I'm sure you want to feel that way. Like this is not all of who I am and I don't want to talk about it all the time. And I think it's really important, not that we don't love our friends and our family, but to be choosy about who we really unload to because Mm -hmm. of how people respond and how that could in turn damage us. That's something that we talk about in therapy a lot. If we deal with people who have trauma, which you guys do have trauma from what you've dealt with with your children, you have to be really careful about who you unload this to. Even Can you dive with, into that a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, even with counseling with people with trauma and specifically, you know, for me, my experience is different than what you guys have dealt with with counseling people, but if it was physical or sexual or emotional abuse, um, it's I've even done things with people where they we have like a box in in the room and the box is open during therapy. Getting ready to leave, the box is closed and locked. We're compartmentalizing that, and but until you come back, this is not something that we're going to discuss with the world because in in turn of discussing that then we can become more damaged. There can be harm to us in doing that. And it sounds almost kind of counterintuitive because we think it can be really therapeutic to talk about how we feel all the time. And, but sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes it can be hurtful, mm-hmm. uh, not just because of how other people react, but then it can put us in a tailspin as well, which is not somewhere we always want to be. We have, we want to function, you know, I can relate a hundred percent to that because I, I feel like I have certain people that feel like they can say whatever they want to me and they shouldn't because it puts me in a downward spiral Mm -hmm. and I appreciate that they love me and that they feel that way, that they feel like they can say whatever they want. But I also know that it does put me in a spiral down and then everything follows. Mm-hmm. It does feel a little counterintuitive though, because I mean, here we are having a podcast where we spill our guts about our lives. Well, but that's also cathartic. I think it's it's the purpose and, and what mm-hmm. happens. You're also not, you're not going to sit here, Susan, and talk about every minute of what happened with Lorelai yesterday. Yeah. Because if you did, then you would go down that rabbit hole and you wouldn't be able to function today, right? Mm-hmm. You'd be so upset. And that's mm-hmm. not somewhere where you, you want to be because it's not, I mean, in a way it's not healthy for you to just live in that place and to be driven by your emotions. We can't mm-hmm. just be driven by our emotions or we wouldn't function. We also have to be, have kind of a synthesis of our mind and our emotions. So we have to have that emotional mind piece and that rational mind piece that comes together. I think that that in general, this version of parenthood that we have, you have to have your mind and your heart 
they have to talk to each other because there's so many times, and I'm, I'm sure that this is a normal parenthood thing too, but like for us, there's so many life or death moments where you're like, okay, brain, talk to heart, heart, talk to brain. Let's sort this out immediately because we don't have a lot of time. Yeah. I think that that's a really great point beyond just in that intense moment. Can we talk about how that layers on to fatigue also, right? Like us overthink, not over, I don't want to say overthinking, like our thoughts, just chewing on our thoughts over and over or are the same feelings over and over. I often find that that just completely drains me. So along with like what we were going to talk about with decision fatigue, emotional fatigue, just like not progressing through our emotions and thinking about them over and over and over again and how that also, is there a name for that? Ruminating? Are you ruminating on your yeah. emotions? You like stuck? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've learned to like consciously try and move out of it. Um, Cause I am a, I just churn. I mean, I think about it and I think about it and I will talk and talk and talk and talk until a decision is made. Like I've really had to learn and sit to like be quiet and just write stuff down. I mean, what are some tools that people can do to stop that? Could you go back to the box, Diane, like oh, yeah, open your box, <laughs> go through yeah. it. And then Give yourself once a time you have limit. your decision, Mm-hmm. Close the box and you have it. it. The box yeah. is closed. Stop. Stop That's it. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, a therapist would tell you and, and you know, educate you, which is a huge part of therapy, that your thoughts lead to your feelings, which then lead to your behaviors, right? It's called CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so, that makes sense, right? You can't stop thinking about something, which leads you to have all of this anxiety. And then that leads you to, let's just have an example, lash out at somebody or, you know, shut down and not be able to talk to anybody, whatever happens. So I think writing down your thoughts are always a good idea. Thinking about, is this rational? Is it not? What's the evidence that it is rational? What's the evidence that it's not? And what would be a more rational thought than this one? Whatever that thought may be. Like, my child is going to be so sick, there's nothing I can do about it. Right? Okay. There's Mm -hmm. probably a lot of rational thought behind that. But then there's also a piece of that that may not always be rational. So how can you kind of reframe it? make it a more rational thought and then be able to move forward with how you feel. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also give yourself a time limit, you know, to, if you're going to ruminate, then you can ruminate for five minutes or 10 minutes to feel these things. And then you're going to move on. You also kind of have to think about with your emotions that they, emotions are like a wave where they rise really, really high and then they tend to fall. Right. And even just sitting in that and knowing that it's going to decrease, not end, but it's going to decrease can have a lot of power because sitting in something and knowing that we can make it through it, there's a lot of power in that because we can handle it. I love that. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick pause. Hey, are you a medical or special needs mom? Yeah. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. We have a club called the 4AM Mom Club. It's a bunch of us moms. We get together. We, I don't know, we, we talk about life and kids and we have some really cool professionals who have kind of come in and we have a fascia fix and we have a home organizer and we have all these cool people who are coming to love on mamas like us. So join the club. If you go to www. 4am-mom-club.com. You can get more information and join us. There's actually a video of Diane and I talking. So if you want to see our faces, you could go there and watch. See you there. Let's get back to the whole I'm tired thing. (laughs) Let's. (laughs) There's so many layers to that. Yeah. (laughs) But why are you tired? There's so many reasons that you're tired right now. I feel like I'm giving everything I can give physically. I'm sleeping in my kid's bed every night. I'm not sleeping. 
I'm laying in my kid's bed every night. Mentally, I'm constantly processing, you know, did we do meds? Like my kids are on a very strict med and feed schedule. I now have an internal clock that goes off at 9, 12, 3, and 6 that says it's time to plug your kid in. So it's like a constant drain of my brain power. There's not, let's be real, there's not a lot to start with. But, <laughs> and then I feel like I am trying to be so compassionate to my kids about what they're going through and making it not about me with them. Um, it's about them. It's about making sure that they feel good and that they're getting items checked off their bucket list and that I'm giving every ounce of what I have to care for them that I don't have it to give to myself, I guess, is compassion fatigue a thing? For sure. I think too, Susan, like just again, knowing you, I'm kind of at an advantage here. You don't just have your kids, you know, you have a job, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is crazy. You have, of course, the podcast, you have your spouse, you have so many things that you have to give your energy to mm-hmm. that you're exhausted. Not that it just your children wouldn't be enough to exhaust you, right. <laughs> but <laughs> you have so many things. Um, well, and I have, I'm lucky that I don't work a typical nine to five. And I know I Diane know works how, too. Like that's. Yeah. That's but I don't lot. know how like the people who work the traditional Monday through Friday, nine to five, do what they do. And then they come home and do what I've been doing all day and night. The moms who listen to this are across the board Mm -hmm. with some are stay at home. Some work nine to five, some work very non-traditional hours. So in general, I feel like people are giving to so many different directions that Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we just feel empty. Yeah. I think with compassion fatigue, it it is a good term to use for it. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit. This was a term that was kind of coined and and used for people in the helping profession because... Meaning like counselors and nurses? Yeah. Counselors, like, yeah, counselors, nurses. Hairdressers. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) You're like lay therapists. (laughs) Seriously, you probably hear everyone's problems all day long, right? I mean, kind of, but it's, you know, it was really interesting when we were talking about compassion fatigue because sometimes work is my getaway. Like I can turn my mind off from home and I can hear and have compassion for what other people are going through. But I do find that it depends on their energy type. You know, sometimes I have to brace myself like (laughs) yesterday I had a client that I was like, okay, put up a wall and not in a horrible sense, but a, I have to bounce your energy off of myself. Cause I, I can't take on your anxiety. Like I cannot absorb that. It's way too much. Do you ever feel Diane that you are wearing them? Like, do they ask oh. about your story? Yeah. And I really struggle with, I think we've talked about, like, I, I really pride myself on being authentic. I love when you get to see into somebody's soul and really know them, but I also want to keep a professional relationship with these people that are so-called friends. And I I consider them friends, right? But I don't want to throw my stuff on them when they are coming to get self-care. That's not, you know, and so I really kind of just try to feel that out and figure out where they're at, how much of my stuff can they handle, all while trying to be true and honest and authentic with them when they do ask. It's funny that you bring that up because I was thinking that not from the perspective that you just mentioned, but thinking about how to protect yourself when telling them things and how much to tell them what to tell them based on how they would react and what they would say. Mm-hmm. Because just again, as a therapist too, one of the things that we're taught is we, sh- we have to be authentic, but we also have boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that's true for, for anybody. And obviously with, with you, because people know a lot about you personally, you know a lot about them personally. It's the same thing. You know, I can be authentic with a client, but they don't have to know the names and ages of my kids and where I live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And all my problems. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but they may know, like, I, you know, teach dance or I like do something else or I, you know, they might have like that little peek into mm-hmm. my, my life 
you know, to build rapport and to have some authenticity because that is important. Mm-hmm. So I think there, there has to be authenticity with boundaries involved. Yeah. Diane, like I would be so tired of telling <laughs> my story. If you, how many people's hair do you cut a day? You see like 10 people. Like, yeah, it can be up to that many or, you know, a handful. Like, it just depends on the day. I personally would be so damn tired doing the small talk and telling my story over, like, how's your kid doing? <sighs> you know, it's really funny because the times I get tired that I think back and remember are when I was planning my wedding. It was the same monotonous story. But <laughs> the beauty, and when I say this, it's crazy. Josh is always like, people don't love their job like you do. Like a lot of people don't enjoy their job. I genuinely love my job because although I don't get a ton of outlet at home with other people, like that is my, these people Mm -hmm. have turned into my friends. I mean, I have known these people for years. And I think when you talk about like, oh, do you hear a lot of dirt? Do you hear it? It's like friendship, right? So it's not really dirt. Like, yes, I can tell you the handful of stories I've heard about spouses having affairs, but that's not really what it comes down to. It really is coming down to like, these people bring something to my life that is super valuable. So it also can be very therapeutic and feel very supporting or supportive when they ask me, how are you? Because I do think they're being genuine. I have those handful of clients who I still love in a very different way where I do know the boundaries need to be set very hard. But being in the business for, you know, 15 plus years, you you really gain people that are much like yourself. So it becomes more of a friendship as opposed to a I mean, that's how I've chosen chosen to build build my business, I guess. So That's wonderful. It can get exhausting, but it's more exhausting depending on like how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I'm like, okay, I can't really, it, it comes with a very like, yeah, we've been good. It's been a little tough, but we're good. And then I kind of close the door on that one. But I think it's great that you have that because obviously yeah. it's, it is like a shift of not who you are, but you know, it is like stepping into another world. I'm not just Diane with, you know, three kids, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I'm someone else. I think yeah. all moms struggle with that. Right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm someone's mom, you know. Yep. The <laughs> same nice. sense, I feel like it's really hard to work nights and be away. And yet I'm like, I don't know if I want to be home. Like, I don't know if that's what's best for me. So it's just trying right. to find a constant balance. One thing, and I know this is veering off, and I feel like maybe others can relate or you can speak to this um, for our guests. I find that sometimes I speak to other people about things that I should come home and speak to to my partner. Mm. And I get it off my chest and it feels good. (laughs) And I'm like, I probably should be having a lot of these conversations with my spouse, you know, but like moving on. Yeah. I think there has to, um, you and your partner have to decide on rules there, right? I mean, not rules, but like, this is how we're going to treat our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, as a therapist, that would be something I would tell couples is if there are these big things that need to be discussed or if there's even issues within couples, like with one another, it needs to go to that person first. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, doing kind of a disservice. It's not almost, it's almost unfair to your partner, your spouse, whoever to not take. And I should probably clarify to my husband if he's listening (laughs) that it's not like I speak to really intense things. It's more like, Oh my gosh, we're, I'm just frustrated because blah, 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 blah. Sure. I feel like the way I took that when you said it was, for example, you and I, Diane, like I can sit here and have, you know, a conversation with you about how I'm exhausted. I'm not sleeping. You know, I'm so thankful that the meds are working and things are going well, but then I don't know if it's, the conversation fatigue, I'm going to make something up here, but like, I don't want to go downstairs and talk about it again when I should probably be talking about it with him in general. Not, it's nothing big, but after I finished talking to you, I'm like, eh, I got it out. That's exactly. Well, and that's, I think that's, I mean, honestly, I think that's different because you both are moms and you both have a lot of the same experiences. So there's more empathy there. Like she can understand you even more than Mike can in that regard. Mm -hmm. Mike's not a mom. You know, your husband's not a mom. He's not, 
he's a man <laughs> too. <laughs> so he has a completely different perspective. Yeah. That's different than, you know, we had this argument or, yeah, you know, right, right. you had this big news about your child and you, you didn't tell him first um, mm-hmm. or something. Right. That's different. Just being able to vent to somebody who really gets you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I, I had to come to terms with, I love every ounce of my husband for who he is, but he cannot fulfill every ounce of me. No, and he shouldn't. That's not his purpose. Right. right? right. So I felt like I needed to find different outlets in other yeah. areas to help fulfill like the mom connection, you know, understanding, compassion, empathy, um, maternal instinct, et cetera. And that's why there's support groups for things. Mm-hmm. You know, this is almost like a support group. And it is a support group, I would think, in a way. Mm-hmm. I know, like, in our little pre-show notes, we talked about decision fatigue, compassion fatigue. What would you say to moms who are listening and they're like, I've felt this way, but I've never put those words, like, I never clicked to me that way. Because I know prior to this, Diane had listened to a podcast, and that's where she heard about compassion fatigue. And it kind of, like, clicked, and a light bulb went off. Um, so if somebody hasn't, if they've felt these emotions and they're just now going, aha, maybe there is something to this. Like, what would you say to these, these people? Hmm. That's an open-ended question. Uh, (laughs) Well, I think with compassion fatigue, just to kind of define it for everybody, because we kind of danced around it, right? Uh, there's this, basically it talks about a profound emotional and physical erosion, that takes place when you're unable to refuel and regenerate. That's compassion. Refuel. That's yeah. a and good, regenerate. Yeah. <laughs> and regenerate. Yeah. So it's not just emotional. It's also physical. There's emotional and physical erosion from dealing with this day in and day out, dealing with your medical kids needs, your mental health, behavioral needs, whatever special needs that your child has. And then making decisions for them, right, Diane? I know that was something that you were interested in with the decision fatigue all day, every day. I mean, like how many decisions do we make? (laughs) Does an average person make in a day? I don't know. It has to be a ton. And I was kind of disappointed with the decision fatigue literature, I guess, because it's kind of new. Well, it is new. It was like, make your difficult decisions the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. We don't have choices of when we have to make difficult decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it right, might yeah. be at 4 a.m. or right. 12 a.m. or in the, in the middle of the night in the hospital room, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when I just think about like at the end of the day, you, you get up in the morning. I mean, just for the average person, you get up in the morning, you make your breakfast, you make a good decision there, right? If you're if speaking to maybe health or something, you go through your day, you have your gym bag packed. And by the end of your day, you're like, no, I'm just going to go home. I mean, Everyone's tired by the end of the day from all the decisions they have to make. How do you stay on track? Right. Well, I think with decisions, like you said, if you start making good ones in the beginning of the day, you're more likely to continue. Um, So I I shouldn't eat the entire box of Girl Scout cookies (laughs) for breakfast is what you're saying. You can't because you're intermittent fasting. (laughs) Got it. I already ate all my lemon ones, so I'm out of luck. (laughs) You can still order. (laughs) Then I'll be like just perpetuating this horrible cycle. Don't make that decision. Don't make that decision. (laughs) Push that decision Um, off. Sorry, we're, we're, we're getting a little... That's okay. Skew. (laughs) Um, I I think if you start making good decisions, you're you know more likely to continue. But with you know the compassion fatigue, how do you take care of yourself when you have to be there for your child twenty four seven? What are you supposed to do? Like that's, I'm sure where the struggle is. I don't know, Amanda. I'm sitting here and in, in my head, I'm having the words refuel, regenerate, refuel, regenerate. I don't know why those two words are speaking so loudly to me at the moment, probably because I don't do that. I don't ever refuel and regenerate. Not lo- Not enough to really help, I would assume. Yeah. So you may go for a walk because I know that's something that walk, yeah. walk, run that you're doing daily, which is wonderful to refuel and regenerate, to be physical, to be outside is very therapeutic. Be active is very therapeutic. Of course, when we feel fatigued, the last thing we want to do is be active. 
that's normal. Mm -hmm. However, the best decision that we can make is to probably be active. But the thoughts follow me. I go for my mile walk and the whole time I'm gone, I'm thinking, okay, is somebody checking on Lorelai? Do I need to be back in, in time to plug her in? And I don't get to refuel. It does get me out of the house for 15 minutes unless I walk slow. And then it's a little bit longer. But I don't refuel or regenerate. Maybe I refuel, but I don't regenerate. Well, you probably don't if you're thinking of something else. And I'm glad you brought that up because something that as a therapist we would teach a client is to be mindful of the situation that you're in. So it's a whole huge idea, of course, that we can't cover in a podcast right now. But mindfulness is, you know, basically like Mm -hmm. meditation in a way. Mm -hmm. You would think it's kind of like an Eastern philosophy. And it's a part of a, a big piece of therapy for a lot of people where if you're out walking, you keep thinking of Lorelai. Every second that happens, you're supposed to turn your mind back to what you're doing. To the point where when I would teach this to people, I would practice it too, because I can't teach people this if I can't practice it myself. I'm walking the dog, so I'm walking the dog. I'm walking the dog. I'm walking the dog. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you literally are bringing your thoughts back to the present. And you're not judging yourself for your mind straying, but you continue to turn your mind back to what you're doing, even if it's every second. Because yeah. that really does help yeah. to refuel and regenerate. Because mm-hmm. again, as as women and as moms, we're constantly thinking of a million different things. And when we can focus on that one thing, then we can take that time to be calm, you know, regulate physically, regulate our mind, and just focus on one thing. It's a lot mm-hmm. of benefit to that. I like that because I think that puts concrete steps into what a lot of people say, like, allow yourself the time, give that to yourself, do something for yourself. Okay, so I go work out, but I can't, I I don't know how to be present because my Mm -hmm. mind is still somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. so I like that you put steps into, okay, so we go do something for ourselves. How do we make it productive? Like, Mm -hmm. how can we go and be mindful to do something for ourselves that feels good and then be able to come home and not feel guilty for like not thinking about our child or our situation. Sadly, self-care has become almost a joke and it shouldn't be. If for any mom or any person, when's the last time you did any sort of self-care and people, (laughs) you know, but like it shouldn't be. We should be able to take a walk or go to the nail salon and sip a mimosa, which you can't because of COVID. COVID. Um, But like we should be able to go and do 15 or 30 minutes of Diane, you pick working out, but I, you know, where you just focus on that. And I think that I think back to when we were in the ICU back in November and they kept saying to me, go home and do some sort of self-care. We don't care what you do, but go home and do self-care. In the end, the one that helped me the most was setting up my Christmas tree because I was focused on the tree and I was focused on the task because you can't set up half a Christmas tree. Um, I mean, you can, but not in your household. <laughs> right. Um, but it was one of those moments where I was very focused on what I was doing and I was kind of doing it out of spite because I didn't feel like it was self-care. Like I was like, I'm going to show them, I'm going to get chores done. But in the end, focusing on that tree took my head away from my kid in the ICU. And it made my heart happy because I love Christmas. Right. Twofold. Yeah. That was a good example because you do have to be very methodical about a tree. You have to be methodical about Mm -hmm. taking the ornament out and it's breakable. just the right way. And and it's breakable. And then I got to put, you know, have to put the thing on the hook on there. And then I have to figure out where to put it on the tree. Like I know how well you do the decorating thing. So (laughs) yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that was like the best activity you ever could have done. Well, and I think too, like as light bulbs are going off in my head, it comes down to being mindful about, I mean, there's a tag with self-care that it's like, let's go to the spa have happy hour with girlfriends, um, get this, go to the gym. And it. you just have to be mindful maybe about what makes you feel good. Is it setting yeah. up a Christmas tree? Right. I mean, 
I like to binge me some Netflix, but I certainly don't feel great after it. So like what makes you feel good and just like honoring that? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, a simple phone call or whatever? Yeah. I think people think, I don't know, maybe there's a really good marketing person that has said self-care means going to the spa and getting a massage, but it can and should. The The reality is that moms like me don't get to do that mm-hmm. very right. often, if ever. Right. And some may feel like it's another appointment. Like, let me yeah. fit. An, I mean, if I'm being honest, that's kind of what I feel of therapy. I know it would likely be good for me. However, in my head, I'm thinking it's just another appointment that I have to go to along with the four therapies that we do a week. And then it's like another hour of my time where I could have to myself, which is so ridiculous because that's exactly what it is. But um, that's how I feel. I mean, that's how I feel about it. It makes sense. I get it. But you still need therapy. (laughs) Thank Thank you, Susan, for pointing out that. (laughs) <laughs> You're and still it is, is self care. <laughs> that is self care, right? Yeah, yeah. That is in long term. Like it's mm-hmm. going to help you long term. Yeah, I will is. say I felt the same way, and I think it's kind of like I would assume it's kind of like exercising. Um, <laughs> once you once you do it enough, yeah. you get into the habit of it, and I felt that way in the beginning. And I have been virtually seeing my therapist since I was pregnant with Benji because I was like, look, I need to figure this out before he's born. Get your act together. And I ended up, it it was before COVID, but like, I want to say once, like a month before my due date, we switched to virtual. And I ended up at the time having to pay out of pocket because virtual therapy wasn't covered. But I knew I just couldn't get to, mm-hmm. I couldn't drive 30 minutes to her office, sit for 45 minutes, and then drive 30 mm-hmm. minutes home. We touched on this at the beginning, but for moms listening, if you can take a 45-minute virtual session, mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning, it does feel like it's another chore and another appointment. Mm-hmm. But now it almost feels like the check-in I need every other week. Or And my therapist knows me well enough now that if I send her an email and say, I need, I need an appointment, she'll try to fit me in. And, you know, and then if she doesn't hear from me for, you know, a couple of weeks, she knows like Amanda, she knows, okay, if I haven't heard from Susan, then something's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm sure once you see results too, it's like exercising, like, okay, my results. Yep. Meaning it's a chore until you're like, this is actually beneficial. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's my new year's resolution i have a little time <laughs> it's like i mean i mean it's it's hard. <laughs> there there is a diet there is a really good website i can I seriously send you that you can look to see if there's a therapist you would like in your state okay. in your area even yeah but i mean and, it doesn't have to be in your area so yeah it's true. With, but also something that someone told me and Amanda, correct me if I'm over-speaking, but before like, I went through three therapists before I found one that really clicked with me. And I think that there are some that focus on certain things and like help moms maybe or help couples or, but our social worker with um, the, the hospice group, Edmark, had said to me, like, before you find another, maybe ask her can you handle my level of grief? Can you handle, here's what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that something that people do when they're trying to find a therapist? Like, I mean, would it behoove Diane to say, I have a kid who has a disease I'm trying to manage, or do you just try out therapy? Like, how do you do this? Yeah, I think it's, it's a good idea to um, find a therapist that there's not going to be probably a therapist that, specializes in special needs moms, right? But there will be therapists that deal with trauma, I would say, that you would want to find and and grief because those are things I think that you guys disproportionately, of course, deal with. Do not all therapists, is this a dumb question, do not all therapists handle trauma and grief? They do. Or is that a specialty kind of in your field? I would think that uh, we're not all created equal. Some are better than others. Mm-hmm. And some are, are yeah, this, there are specialties for everything. Let's be mm-hmm. honest at this point. 
but especially trauma, there is a lot of specialties. So there can be like, I've, I've had a certification for trauma for years. Mm -hmm. So I've dealt with more people and given therapy to more people with trauma and traumatic backgrounds. So, you know, I've, hopefully wouldn't traumatize you more. That's always the concern <laughs> with giving someone therapy that's had trauma, uh-huh. traumatize them more. Hopefully I wouldn't do uh-huh. that to you because I have more training. So yes, I would look for somebody that you know can deal with the broad issues that you are having and then just someone that you feel like you're going to connect with. It is trial right. and error like Susan went through. You're not going to connect with everybody and a therapist feels the same way. You're not going to connect with every client. They know the client may not connect with them and they might not be the best fit. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. how it is. So, kind of like okay. with your hairdresser. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, Amanda, thank you for being here. Um, we're going to have you, you back me. and we're going to have you in the club to kind of talk to moms. We're going to do a Ask a Pro and just kind of touch on a few of these things a little more about how moms can go about finding someone to talk to. But to wrap up this episode, what gives you hope? Easy answer. Jesus gives me hope every single day. It's so simple for me. And I know it's not the answer for everyone, but without that, there would be no hope at all. So easy answer. (laughs) Easy answer. Done and done. (laughs) Thank you for your time. And I, if it's okay with you, since you're going to be our stand-in counselor, maybe we'll ask some moms in our club if they have any topics that they'd like to bounce off or have us talk about one day um, so that we can continue. I mean, before this episode, Diane and I were like, what's this one going to be like? We're, you know, we've, we've interviewed medical professionals and then we've interviewed moms and then we've had conversations one-on-one. And I was like, I think it's really going to be like a a one-on-one conversation with Amanda. And so Mm -hmm. to have your professional background just in our conversation, I think is super helpful. And I really appreciate you being here and not bringing up all the crazy times we had. in (laughs) There weren't enough personal anecdotes. Another time. On that note, thank you for being here. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Diane. (laughs) So she didn't dish all my crazy college stories. I can I can I spell what your name was in college? Sure, go ahead. Booz and Susan. Booz and Susan. Yeah, (laughs) but not because here I have to tell you know not because I drank a lot. Because Susan, Susan, Bo Boozin, Banana Fan, oh, right. that's where it came from. So I really wouldn't judge if it was Booze and Susan because of college or because no, of drinking. And we like hung out with like Christian circles and went to Campus Crusade for Christ and they'd be like, Booze. And I'm like, oh, goodness. So I do love that. What did you think of my college roommate? I thought she was so great. It was, she was just so sweet and had so much wonderful, so many wonderful things to, say to like bring back to then I loved the mindfulness part hands down because I still have the words refuel and regenerate refuel Mm -hmm. and regenerate kind of going through my head and um it side note tangent here that we can edit out if it doesn't fit but I'm getting um a tattoo on my forearm which we've talked about in past episodes um of a lotus flower and the different phases of the lotus flower and how like every day it closes up and then it opens up and it's like a daily renewal and as she's saying refuel and regenerate like to me it's almost like it just kind of clicks like Mm -hmm. I've never really thought about how my level of exhaustion and fatigue could be fixed by like simply going for a walk and thinking okay don't think about your kid right now Think about walking. Don't turn your podcast on. Don't turn anything on. Just think about what you're doing so that you can I think there's so many things in this world that pull us away from mindfulness. And they're easy. They're so easy. They feel good in the moment. But at the end of it, how do you feel? And so I loved kind of talking through that with her about being mindful. And 
Um, Something that sticks with me a lot that I didn't say is the quote, you won't always be motivated, so you have to be disciplined. So like making sure that you stop doing the things that you think make you feel good, or maybe that you are or aren't, you know, not doing the things you're not feeling motivated to do, but doing it out of discipline, knowing that that's how you do refill and regenerate. So I loved those concrete things that we can take away. And I, we hope, I hope that you guys feel that way too, um, for the listeners. So, well, this is Susan and I'm going to go for a walk and not think about my kid. Walking the dog, walking the dog, walking the dog. <laughs> Honestly, this is really funny. Cause as she's saying this, I'm like, okay, so if I jog, when I run, I think about how I'm dying. I'm like, oh my God, make it to the stop sign. Oh, just keep going. One foot in front of the next. I'm like, <gasps> I'm like, oh my God. Listen I to your feet on the pavement. Maybe listen to my feet. That would probably, rather than listening to my head go, you can't do this. You can't do yes. this. I, when I, I'm not running at the moment, but when I have, I, foot. because I broke my that's a Cute. little that's another another day okay. another time um but i like do two breaths in for each stride like or two strides for each breath in and then two strides for each breath out and it was like so therapeutic to just so whatever stride and breath go together it, that helped me be really mindful when i ran i still felt like i was dying but you should try it <laughs> or you could speed walk okay and this is diane <laughs> and i am i'm gonna go work out okay and think about working out, not yeah. your kids. I think about just getting stronger when I work out. Okay. It's real hard. And I'm just like, I'm just getting stronger. Good so. for you. Okay. I love Thanks, you. guys. Bye. <laughs>